The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello everyone. It's Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I think we all want discernment in our life. The problem is sometimes we only pray for discernment when things are going bad, when we're in the midst of a crisis, when we can't figure out what to do next. Then we pray, then we fast. The Bible is full of examples of people seeking discernment during prosperous times, during peaceful times, during miraculous times. On today's show, we'll talk about discernment in the midst of peaceful waters. Thanks for joining me. This is The Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm Dr. Doug Bursch, and I'm so glad you take time to listen to this show, whether it's on the radio on Friday or Sunday, or it's in podcast form. Uh, You can get us through iTunes, subscribe to The Fairly Spiritual Show, or Stitcher, or I got an email the other day, and I guess Spotify, you can listen to us. I didn't even know I was on Spotify, but um, there we are. There are so many ways to avoid us. Uh, But anyway, The Fairly Spiritual Show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. I'm thankful that you listen on the radio as well. You can go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org, and find out more information about the show. You can also find out ways to donate to uh, support what we are doing here. Uh, If you'd like to text the show, uh, 360-818-4513. Again, if you're someone who says, I'm going to do that, you don't do it, I'm speaking to you. I'd love to hear from you. 360-818-4513. I'd like to hear if you listen to it through the radio or through podcast. I'm trying to determine where I want to spend my energy, uh, where I want to put my dollars, those sorts of things. So feel free to text me or um, you can leave a voicemail as well. 360-818-4513. I promise I will not put you on any mailing list or I won't sell your phone number. It's literally the text comes to me. And I just respond and say, hey, thanks for listening. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. I also want to remind you, if you enjoy at all what I'm doing here, I've written extensively about my thoughts concerning community in the book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. And that book is about why we gather in community, even though people will hurt us. Uh, I don't like being hurt by people. I don't necessarily desire to be in community, but it's essential for us to be human. We need to be in relationships. And so I talk a lot about a theology of community and then just the struggle of being with people because people will hurt you. Individuals will sin against God and people in community will sin against God. You, you, You can't escape it. If sometimes people say, well, you know why I don't you know, go to church anymore, or why I don't go to that group anymore, or why I'm not involved in any group is people hurt me. Well, here's the deal. Just as you are not perfect and you are going to sin throughout your life, communities are going to sin as well. So uh, just as we find a way to walk forward individually uh, in a healthy way with Christ, we also find a way to walk forward in a healthy way in community. But the Bible is full of examples about how God forms us in and through 
communities. So the book is The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can pick up that at Amazon, or you can get it at my website, fairlyspiritual.org. All right, enough of the announcements. Let's get into this. Uh, Discernment. We all want discernment, but I've noticed that sometimes we only pray for discernment when we're in crisis mode. And by the way, when I say we, I mean me. So if anything I'm sharing here, you're like, well, Doug, that seems a little judgy. It's, it's stuff that I struggle with, stuff I deal with. When we get right down to it, we often think about, you know, I need to pray more and I need to seek God's face more. We often think of that more when we are in the midst of a crisis, when we're in a place where God seems distant or when we're really going through stuff. In fact, we're like, you know, I'm going to fast because I don't have discernment on this next step or or we're going to fast and pray because we, we want healing or we want answers. or you, you know what I'm talking about, right? We become very spiritual when our lives are in crisis. Now, there's nothing wrong with being spiritual when our lives are in crisis, but the Bible talks about a different form of spirituality or demonstrates a different form of spirituality where we are seeking the face of God, praying and fasting and discerning the will of God, not only in trying times, not only in the midst of persecution, but also when things are going well. And I just want to talk about the importance of developing a spiritual path, a spiritual discipline where we seek God when things are going well. Here, here's just one thing right off the top. I'm just going to say this. Um, when we only seek God when we're hurting, then it's hard to open our ears to the fullness of God's words for our life. We tend to just filter everything through that hurt. We tend to just be listening for something that's going to deal with our pain. Now, God does deal with our pain, but God has far more to say to you than just about your pain. And, and let's just put this to the most practical sense. Uh, right now, I know there's people listening where you are in some very difficult relationships. Let's say right now, you're praying about your marriage. And that's important, and it is a crisis, and you are praying for discernment, and uh, you, you may fast and pray and seek help from others when you're in this place, like, I don't know if my marriage is going to survive. You know, th- this is how real we're going to get, right? So that's good to pray, but what happens when we're in that much pain is we're not necessarily open to hearing about other areas of our life. Everything is just kind of geared around that one main issue. And, and maybe that's all that God is going to deal with. But what I've seen is people have a crisis, a marital crisis, a family crisis, a health crisis, and they pray about that specific issue, and they find answers to that specific issue. But then once things get better, let's say there is an answer, there is a miracle, there is restoration and healing, then they're not as willing to still seek God with the same passion. Think about the passion you had, a season of your life where you were on your knees crying out to God because there was a severe problem in your life and how you were listening and looking for any sign of what you were supposed to do. But once that problem is solved or that problem goes away, did you have that same passion and resolve just for living? Just for, hey, Lord, just show me who you want me to be as a person in this world. Show me what you want me to do with the giftings and 
the good things in my life, with this peaceful time in my life. Show me how to live in this peace or this prosperity or during this prosperous time. I think when we're in prosperous times or peaceful times, sometimes we can open our ears to hear a lot more things from God because we're not just focusing on the pain, right? You know how that is. Like if you if you got a, an elbow that hurts, you're just thinking about your elbow. But if you don't have pain in your body, you're thinking about other things. So in that context, I want to read to you a story uh, from Acts 13. Uh, Paul and Barnabas had gone to Antioch. In fact, Barnabas had brought Paul to go to Antioch. And Antioch had basically, they were Jews who had uh, come to believe in Christ, and there were Gentiles who had come to believe in Christ. And these groups didn't necessarily get along. And there were divisions there. But Paul and Barnabas found a way to minister to both groups. And the Bible says this is when uh, believers were first called Christians. And I think they were first called Christians because they realized that, well, this isn't just a another sect of Judaism. This is something else. These are Christ followers. And even calling them Christians, I think, was a way for the people who didn't want Gentiles to be followers of Messiah. They're like, oh, I don't know if they're with us, but they're those Christ followers. So even the term Christian is an interesting term here. But nonetheless, they're having success in Antioch. They're ministering. And at this point, Paul and Barnabas really aren't missionaries. They're just going to one assignment. Their assignment is to go to Antioch, and they're successful. They've been well-received in Antioch. And this is what happens in response to them being successful. Uh, I'll look at uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers. So we know that in that community, there were people who were trying to discern the will of God for themselves and for others. In fact, this very activity that they're engaged in is a prophetic activity. They're praying and they're fasting, asking God to lead them in what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to teach. It says, in that church, there were prophets and teachers. It says there was Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger. It's interesting, Simeon, who was called Niger. Niger means black. So there's a good chance that Simeon was probably black, and that was their nickname for him which probably was their nickname for him because there weren't that many black people around there, which means he probably wasn't from the area, which is pretty powerful that this black man was leading the church in Antioch. He's one of the leaders. That's just a little side note, kind of cool, of the four leaders in this community that when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, all racial divides break down, all prejudices divide, uh, break down, and that people rise up with authority and people are willing to follow anyone who has the authority of Christ Jesus. So these are leaders in the church. We have Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and, and we don't know much about him except for he's from Cyrene, and Manion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. So Herod, uh, you know, who had just died because he had not given glory to God in this narrative, this uh, man had been brought up with Herod, either as like a half-brother or a friend, but he was familiar with Herod's household. So that's a fascinating group. And it says also Saul was in the group. So this group of leaders is praying. And it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, which is an interesting thing, that prayer is ministering to the Lord. They're just, they're worshiping God. They're praying. They're fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, 
when they had fasted and prayed, so they continued to fast and pray, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Now, this is a fascinating story to me because this is where Paul and Barnabas truly begin their missionary journey. Now, Paul and Barnabas had been successful in Antioch. And, And I think if they had been like a good American Christian, they would have done this. You know, we're, we're pretty successful here. It's going well. Paul seems to be kind of ministering to these Gentiles who aren't necessarily accepted by the Jewish believers, and Barnabas is doing a good job with the Jewish believers and doing a good job working together, and they're saying, this is working well. Let's just form our ministry outreach center right here in Antioch, right? They could have just built a strong place where they could have fortified their strength and people could have come to them. Maybe they could have a training center. And this could be the place where people could find out about Jesus. But instead of just staying there and continuing to do that work because things were strong, again, things were going well. They did not make their decision based on how well things were going. No, instead, they continued to pray and to fast. And based on their prayers and their fasting, based on their willingness to seek God's face, not just during trials, but during times of miraculous provision, they saw, based on the Holy Spirit, that they were called to leave that place of prosperity and to go out on the mission field. And we know for Paul and Barnabas that going out on the mission field did not make their life easier. In fact, it made it much harder We know that for Paul, this isn't like a stepping up. This isn't like an advancement in his career by leaving Antioch. Because what he faces in the rest of his missionary journeys is ultimately some extreme persecution. But Paul is not making his decisions based on his strength. He's not making his decisions based on the strength of the room. He's making his decisions based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is so similar to how Jesus did his ministry. If you look in Mark 1, 35, you find something very similar. Uh, Jesus is ministering in Capernaum, and Capernaum is where Peter's family was, and Capernaum really became like a home base for Jesus. Capernaum is a place of strength. And Jesus starts his ministry in Capernaum, and great miracles occur. Such miracles occur there that people begin to gather at Capernaum, which is near the Sea of Galilee, and they begin to seek Jesus out. The Sea of Galilee is not a large sea. It's really like a lake. And the reality is, Jesus could have just stayed at Capernaum and had people come to him. He could have built his worldwide ministry outreach center right there in Capernaum. He could have said, hey, things are going well, things are strong, revival is occurring here, I'll just have people come to me, you know, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, right? You know, they should come to Messiah, I don't need to go to them. But Jesus doesn't do that. We find a very similar thing, and if you look at Mark 1, 35, it says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. So things are going well, but Jesus still gets up, goes to a secluded place, and prays. It says, Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. See, everyone's looking for him because there's all this activity going on. There's revival in the city, and Jesus, instead of doing the revival stuff, is off with the Father. But Jesus said to them, let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, 
for that is what I came for. See, Jesus does the same thing, or maybe we should say this, that Barnabas and Paul do the same thing that Jesus did, that Jesus did not make his decisions based on strength, but based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Through prayer and fasting, Jesus discerned the will of the Father. He left the strong place of Capernaum, and he went and traveled wherever the Spirit led him. And in his travels, he put himself in places where he was persecuted, in places where he was not well-received. Barnabas and Paul do the same thing. In Antioch, it's a place of strength. It seems to be a place of covering and protection. But they pray and they fast and being led by the Holy Spirit. They're led out on their missionary journeys. Why do I bring this up? I want to ask you this question. Are you praying for discernment just when things are going poorly? Or are you praying for discernment in times of peace? Do you have prophetic discernment or do you seek prophetic discernment when things are going well? Do you seek God with the same passion, with the same tenacity? When I look at this uh, passage here, there's just a few principles here. One, they're seeking God when things are going well. They're not making their decisions based on crises. They're making their decisions based on relationship. They're just going to serve God whether things are going well or poorly. They're just going to serve Jesus whether they are prospering or they're not prospering, whether there's revival or nothing is happening, they're going to get up and pray, worship and fast, and see what God has for them. Are we willing to do that as well? Is that the kind of spiritual activity we have? That's why I think it's incredibly crucial to have some sort of regular gathering in community where we worship God. That's why I think there is something to be said for committing to the ritual of being with God. It's not a form of legalism. It's a willingness to say, I will praise you when things are going well. I'll praise you when things are going poorly. I'll praise you when I need an answer. I'll praise you when I don't feel like I need any answers at all. It's the discipline of simply seeking the face of God every day of your life, every week of your life, every season of your life, no matter what. Ultimately, spiritual maturity is not developed if we only seek God based on crises. I've seen that as a pastor long enough that people who only use God to fulfill their personal needs and wants and desires and problems do not mature in the kingdom of God. But when you seek God and you pray and you fast in the good times and the bad times, you grow in the character and the wisdom of God, and you begin to understand the heart of God for you and the heart of God for others. So one, they're praying and fasting during a time of peace. Two, They're doing this in community. They're not doing it by themselves because the scripture says that the group decided through the Holy Spirit that it would be good to set Barnabas and Paul apart. Often when we're praying for discernment, we keep things close to us and we want to decide it all to ourselves. But there's a problem with that because it leads to another level of uncertainty. It's hard to set yourself apart. If Paul and Barnabas had just been by themselves and then come to the group and said, we believe the Holy Spirit has set us apart for this, people might have questioned their motives. Because in the end, it would have just been about them and for them, and only about their prayers and their future. But it wasn't just about Paul and Barnabas. It was about the other leaders in the church. And because they were willing to pray together as a group of leaders, when the Holy Spirit said, hey, Paul and Barnabas, you need to go on this missionary journey, 
It gave everyone strength to commit to this endeavor. It gave Paul and Barnabas strength to go because it wasn't just in their heart, but it was also in the hearts of the other leaders who had been praying and fasting. It also gave the other leaders permission to let Paul and Barnabas go because they knew this was in Paul and Barnabas' hearts as well. When you pray for discernment, when you fast, when you seek the will of God, do you do it in isolation or do you do it in community? I think it's essential that our prayer life and our fasting life at some level is brought into community, not so we can say, hey, look at me, I'm fasting and how spiritual I am, but so that people can actually join us in our pursuit to discern the will of God. They were fasting and praying during a time of prosperity and revival. They were fasting and praying in community. And the last thing is, they were fasting. I want to encourage you with this. I'm not a good faster. I can say that. I'm not, you know, some people, you might even, they might even text me and go, I fast all the time. And whenever people tell their stories of fasting, I just feel judged and condemned. I don't know about you. They might not want to judge and condemn me. But whenever someone says, I fast every week and I, you know, do a seven day fast and da, 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 all that does is just discourage me. So I'm not bringing this up to discourage you. But I would like to encourage you to embrace the power of fasting. When we fast, and in and, and, and this way, I'd like to, you to embrace the power of maybe even a fun fast, a fast where you're saying, I'm going to give up my, my focus. I'm not going to focus in on food right now. I'm going to focus in on you, Jesus. And, and maybe it's not even about food for you. Like, I, I'm going to give up watching TV today. I'm going to focus in on you. I'm going to give up on social media today. I'm going to focus in on you. I'm going to give up something. I'm going to go without something, and instead, I'm just going to make room for you. Fasting has that power. It's, it's, this is not about things going badly. This is not about me being in a place of crisis. In fact, I'm going to take something I enjoy doing, and I'm going to give it up so I can spend time with you. I enjoy eating, but I'm not going to eat today. I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm not going to eat breakfast. You can do any kind of fast. In fact, I would encourage you to do that. Instead of some big grand fast that you'll fail at, maybe just do something very simple. Just say, you know what? Today, I'm not going to eat lunch. I like lunch. I'm going to give it up because I like God more. And, and I'm not going to come to God. I'm tired of coming to God just through conflicts and trials and tribulations. I just want to come to God because I love him. And so I'm going to show God my love for him, that I'm going to give up something I kind of enjoy doing, which is eating, you know, at the, that lunch place I like to eat at. Instead, I'm just not going to do that. And instead of going to lunch, I'm just going to go for a walk. And as I walk, I'm just going to pray. Or maybe I'm just going to go to a coffee shop, and I'm going to get coffee because I'm not legalistic, but I'm not going to eat. And I'm just going to read the scripture and spend time with Jesus. Maybe you could embrace a fun fast, a time where you can just spend time with God, to discern his will for your life. Maybe you can do that with your spouse and say, let's just not do this thing today and let's spend some time with God. Let's get God's heart for us. Let's praise God and worship God, not because things are going poorly, but just to praise and worship him. Let's just spend time with God. Let's make room for God. You know how sweet that is when someone you love gives up time for you, right? They say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I left work early to be with you. I, I canceled that meeting to be with you. I just want to be with you. 
why not do the same thing with God? Just say, you know, we, we, we just gave up. We're not doing that today. We're not going out to lunch today. We're not doing that activity today. We're just spending time with you. Why not do that in community? Some of you, things are going poorly, and it's okay to come to the Lord and say, help me. But some of you are in times of prosperity, or it's just going okay, and you're really not struggling with much of anything. I want to ask you, are you seeking God with the same passion you sought him when you desperately needed help? Maybe you need to get up, fast, and pray, and welcome the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, the Holy Spirit tells us to do radical things, like leave Capernaum and go somewhere else, like leave Antioch and go on crazy missionary journeys. Maybe God has that kind of journey for you. Hey, thanks for listening. I appreciate you listening to this show. I appreciate your interactions. Here's one way to interact. Text me, 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. You can do that through iTunes. Uh, also, uh, go to fairlyspiritual.org, fairlyspiritual.org. You can find ways to donate to support what we are doing here. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. Let us worship him and pray and serve him together because he is a good God. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.